0: Well, welcome to another wonderful podcast here. I have two very special guests with me today and today we're going to discuss everything that is in regards to Conan the Barbarian, Robert E. Howard's um, sword and sorcery tale. Um, I have two special guests here. I have number one.
1: My name is Joe Simon. And number two, Wally Monk.
0: And we're going to be talking everything about Conan that we can think of. Hopefully novels, hopefully comic books, and hopefully film. Let's see what we can get ourselves into. What is got you into Conan how did you first get into Conan the Barbarian like what is your launching point
2: Conan was actually the first comic book I picked up as a kid really it was was. I was at a a convenient and if I remember there were I think it was Conan number 99 and there were giant crab people on the cover and Conan was fighting them and I said oh this looks neat and I picked it up and the rest is history that's cool what year was that Oh, boy. I'm going to date myself here. I think it was uh, 77, I believe. Oh,
0: okay. Okay. That's not so bad. What about for you, Joe?
1: Mine would be from his um, team up with Elric in the comic book. Yeah? Um, I, I liked Michael Marcock's creations, and there was a crossover, and I decided to pick it up. And oddly enough, many years later, Wally here would um, purchase me both copies as a gift.
0: So how do you two know each other? You apparently have a history together here. How 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 do you know each other?
2: Well, we we had actually met online through through a mutual friend. Uh, okay. I have a blog called Paint Monk's Library. Okay. And a mutual friend got me in touch with uh, Joseph in reference to uh, possibly doing some writing, doing some writing for the blog. And uh, uh, Joseph had a lot of great ideas about uh, not just Conan but other comic characters and. The rest is history now he does some of the uh, editorial content and chooses some of the other things for us so it's it's been good to get to know Joe so
0: so what exactly about Conan do you enjoy the most like what exactly about Conan the barbarian comic book do you enjoy
1: the fantasy um, the world-building and on the continuity of what Howard did and in the comic with Roy Thomas extended upon.
0: Now are you interested in the original novelizations of Conan like how far back do you go like did that pique your interest once you read the comic books you decide hey I like I should go read the original source material?
1: Yes I actually have a lot of um, cover list copies of the paperbacks and one day I'll get the nice collections that they have out there. Such as like one of these ones? Yes.
0: I'm referencing The Conan the Barbarian by Robert E. Howard, World's Greatest Fantasy Hero, unabridged. It contains about 6 or 7
2: short stories in there. I'm seeing you put that down over there and it, that looks like something I need to pick up at some point.
0: I got this off of eBay, um, maybe for $20, which was a steal. Like I bargain hunt, so I saw that and I was like, oh, I got and as long in as, this Conan the Phenomenon too, which is an amazing book. I don't know if you want oh, to look at you. that, but it's an amazing book itself. It covers like Robert E. Howard himself and all the uh the Lancer all the iterations of the novelizations that were changed. Um did you guys read Savage Sword of Conan?
1: That was actually my favorite of the two comics.
0: As my as it was myself, yeah.
1: I, I thought the artwork was a lot better and being able to skip the comics code made it uh more enjoyable read.
0: Did you think that it was better in black and white? Yes. Why is that?
1: I I thought the artists were, I I do like Barry Windsor Smith and um, Bushima, but I really liked the larger um, pages and the um, artwork from all the different, um, mainly South American um, artists were really, really good and interesting, especially in my younger days. Right. It was different than what you saw in normal Marvel or DC comics.
0: Very nice. And for you?
2: I, I always enjoyed Savage Sword. Um, what, uh, what Joseph mentioned was, was one of the, the great things about it, the fact that they weren't restricted by the comics code. It um, also was problematic for me growing up in a Christian house. It was a little more risque, a little more, you know. Um, so I, I, I had to really push to pick up some of those. You know, the yeah. Comics Code approved stuff wasn't an issue. But, you know, when you have some of the risque covers, the Frazetta covers and things, you know, Mom would kind of give me a look like, nah, no, 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 Let's go over to the comic rack. That's but, cool. But uh, I did enjoy Savage Sword when I could get my, my hands on okay. a
0: copy. Okay, okay. So, Savage Sword, what, you're, you, you guys don't know offhand when, when Savage Sword started? Because that, that was well after the original Conan started, correct? Because Conan the Barbarian comic book started in 1970?
2: Yeah, Savage Sword was originally a Curtis publication, so it was still in the 70s. I think it was a few years, I believe, after the, okay. the comic started. But um, it was still the 70s, probably just four or five years later. I think it
1: was 77, but I could be wrong.
0: So that sounds about right. Okay. So did you want to talk about your blog a little bit? Did you want to, like, because you, I've read, I don't know if I've read all of your your, your posts. I read some of, some of yours, and I read some of yours. <laughs> what exactly do you want to talk about with, like, in regards to, like, what your blog is about? Like, why are you doing
2: this? Oh, well, I... You know I, I I am a religious monk in in real life, and uh, I'm from the Chicago area, okay, and uh, um, I decided that uh, since I don't have a lot of spare time, I needed a hobby. so I read comics in my off time when I'm not involved in ministry, and you know that turned into a blog where I would just, okay, I read this comic, I'll post a story about it, or I'll share something. and uh, it evolved into, hey, let's take a look at Conan. you know, Conan's one of my favorite comics and uh, that's about the time I reached out to Joseph through the mutual friend and I had three or four other great bloggers uh, uh, Troy and Dean and uh, Andy and uh, Bob uh, they all contacted me some are writers some are people that uh, run um, very successful Facebook pages they all jumped on board and said hey you know we'd like to review Conan too okay and uh, all of a sudden what started is my little private blog uh, became this Um, Really interesting source for uh, what we call the Countdown to Conan and uh, expanded into uh, other comics, superhero genre. Um, Joseph has done some great interviews with uh, uh, people like Rick Offenberger, um, other industry people. So... um, Again, what began as a little hobby blog has just turned into something where, even though we've been, I've been a little remiss in posting lately. You know, we're still getting hundreds of views a day from people just going through the countdown to Conan and catching up on issues. So it's been a lot of fun.
0: So, what is the mission statement? What exactly? What does that mean when you say the countdown to Conan? I know what it means, but what can you tell the the people well, listening? Sure. The, the original
2: intention was to uh, uh, Marvel Comics is going to be. Uh, they've reacquired the rights to do conan the barbarian comic books starting in january and uh, uh the countdown is going back to the 70s the 80s and, and the early 90s and we're looking at we were looking at uh marvel's original run of conan in anticipation of the comic returning to them in january very nice and uh i think we got what what joseph 75 75 issues yeah that sounds right so seventy-five issues, and uh, we have one gentleman, uh, Troy Troy Chrisman, is going to continue uh, reviewing Savage Sword periodically. So we'll have a Savage Sword review up this weekend, and uh, things should start picking up again here shortly. That that is great.
0: Now, Joseph, yes. what what exactly is your connection your connection with the comic book world? You are in the comic book industry yourself, are you not? I am
1: a comic book writer. I've been published by Caliber Press and a couple other small press um, companies, and I have more stuff um, forthcoming. What have you put out? Um, Well, with Caliber Press, I put out a um, horror story, dark fantasy, that was in Thumbscrews number three, and then I put out um, various short stories um, in various independent presses, and I've um, done a lot of publishing um, with the music press as well.
0: I guess I should mention at this time that I'm actually related to you. Yes, so you're my cousin. We, have,
1: we are cousins.
0: Uh, we go back quite a ways. And as far as I can remember, you were always an artist. You were always engaging in the creative aspect of comic books.
1: This is true. I am I'm a graphic designer, um, but I'm not an illustrator. So my um, skills are somewhat limited in the comic book industry.
0: I wouldn't say limited. You just have a different... Graphic appeal. Graphic appeal. There you go.
1: So... I I do do covers and and, um, I've done a lot of other things. But um, I'm starting to learn a lot more with using um, Blender and things like that where you can create more or less a mannequin of a person and manipulate them and
0: like a 3d sort of right that's really cool and not only that not only do you work in the comic book world but you also work in the music world
1: yep i yeah. I, I do have a band what um, is your band it's called lure of the unknown
0: lure of the unknown
1: and it does more like film score like um, music that is cool and i also do um graphic design for a uh, cd dvd cassette production house
0: there you go is there anywhere where we can see here what you have to offer us? Is there a place like? Do you want to like do a little publicity right here for yourself?
1: Well, soon, soon? but not yet. Not yet. Okay. Um Joseph Simon. J O E S E P H. Simon S-I-M-O-N.com. There'll be plenty coming, but presently not there.
0: Well, you've got some stuff on that the website because I've, I've listened to some of your music. So you do have some right. available to listen to. I, right on Bandcamp
1: uh, because I, I have stuff from other labels and they put stuff up.
2: Okay. Okay. So I found, I don't want to interject here no, no, this about all sorts is, of neat things. We but can go anywhere. We we were talking about Savage Sword earlier, and I yeah. in this great coffee table Conan book that you let me look at here.
0: Conan they, the Phenomenon.
2: They yeah. do. They've got uh, the Savage Sword here. The first issue was published in August 1974.
0: Oh, there you go. Okay.
2: the first issue of the comic book was in 1971. So there was a three-year gap between the actual color comic and, and Savage Sword.
0: There you go. Now we know. And knowing so, is half the battle. Uh, one of the greatest covers, I think, of Savage Sword Conan, I think, is issue number five. It's the one where Conan has sprawled off uh, across the tree. I think it's issue five.
2: Oh, the Tree of Woe cover. The Tree
0: of Woe cover, cool. which is actually something that was actually used later in the film, the Conan the Barbarian, which came out in 1982, May of 1982. And this is really where I begin my, my journey into Conan. Um, kid you not, it was May of 82, back in the day when we just looked at newspapers to decide which movie we were going to look at. And my dad opened up the newspaper and he said, here, I want you to pick out which movie you want to go see this this, this weekend. And he showed me a picture of Fantasia, which was re-released that year, and he showed me a picture of Conan the Barbarian, which was released that, that weekend. And I said, I want to go see Conan. And the reason why was because my father had a huge, huge library of, of novels. And some of the novels that he actually had were the uh, the, 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 the 50s books, of the conan books Mm -hmm. um and i was immediately like i'm gonna go see this movie so conan the barbarian for me is really the the gateway into into conan before reading the robert e howard books which i read second after reading after seeing the movie what did you exactly think of the movie i know a lot of purists don't like the movie because it doesn't really personify who conan the barbarian is in the novels or the comic books what are your thoughts
2: I thought the movie was good, um, as long as we're talking about the first Conan movie and not Conan the Destroyer. Okay. Um, I, what I thought was interesting is uh, um, that they chose Valeria instead of, instead of Bellet, Bellet, however you pro- want to pronounce it. Okay, yeah. Um, but uh, if in the Conan series, in Conan 100, you know where she comes back from the grave at the end to, spoiler alert, save Conan at the end, um, that's actually Bellet from Conan 100. There's okay. an actual scene that mirrors that in the movie. And uh, just looking at you could see where they pulled bits and pieces of, of the Conan story from the books, from the comics, and they kind of made this amalgam you know, into, into, into the movie. I thought it was good. Um, I don't know if it really followed any Conan continuity per se,
1: but um, I enjoyed
2: it. I thought it was highly entertaining.
0: Okay. What about you, Joe?
1: I, in my youth, it, it was very interesting, the incorporation of the music. um, Basil
0: Poldoris did the music, of course.
1: Yep. And the um, imagery, I thought, was really cool, especially for back then. And I think some of it still holds up to even today. Um, I'm curious with you, though, because it was your gateway, how did the novels compare to the movie? since you saw the movie first?
0: It was really sort of strange because I guess the movies sort of you not only get a pictured look of who Conan is, but you hear his voice. You hear, it's obviously Arnold Schwarzenegger, so he has an accent. Um, you get a general idea of like who Conan is thanks to the movies. And then when you read the novelizations, I think the biggest problem, that the difference is, is Conan is very well-spoken in the novels. Conan is very well-educated. Um, this is something that's not really given to us in the films it's kind of hinted at maybe in a way like there's the the part where he uh sort of gives the Genghis Khan speech of you know to crush enemies see them driven before you and hear the lamentation of the women which is mis- misquoted as a Genghis Khan quote I guess it's not really Genghis Khan but I don't really know who it is but
2: Conan what is best in life to crush your enemies see them driven before you and to hear the lamentation of their women that is the-
0: so is Conan really educated? I don't know. It doesn't seem like that he really is. He's a king in the novels. Um, he's a hero to women. He doesn't abuse them or anything like that. Um, there's a lot of subtle differences, I think, that are different in the novel as compared to the, uh, the the movie itself. And even in the comic books itself. Did you want to talk about that at all? Like The differences between who Conan is in the comic books? And who he is in the film?
2: Sure, um, you know before you you had just mentioned the differences Conan not being educated in the films. Um, it's interesting that you bring that up because I I remember in the movie where they're training Conan and he's in the cage coming out. You know they said that they they you know there was one point I believe they had him reading a scroll and he was supposedly learning, and then throughout the rest of the movie you have this person they talk about grooming him and educating him. And I mean I, I think even if you love the movie like I did, you have to admit. Arnold didn't have a whole lot of dialogue, <laughs> right? Um, but he he didn't come across as educated. I think they might have tried to touch on that, um, but but I know that Conan in the comics is is much more a fleshed out character, right? Um, he, he seems a whole lot more sensitive. I, I I I think sensitive is maybe too strong a word to use, but
0: uh, maybe more aware of the uh, environment.
2: Maybe a little more aware of the environment. A little more moral. Um, okay, depending on on the particular stories, um, he it's he's he's kind of interesting in the comics as you know very much a noble savage you know it's it's he's not afraid to kill somebody but by the same token if he sees a woman being mistreated he'll jump in and start a fight so just a very odd set of right and wrong and a very black and white reality that he lives in i thought
1: there was an evolution that Roy thomas gave him too Mm -hmm. like his introduction to magic and how he dealt with magic
0: Mm -hmm. there is some magic elements in the film of course it's with mako or uh there's a character named Akira. I, I, I forget what it's, his name is in the, the movie, but um, what about the artwork that, that uh, influenced The Conan and the Barbarian? We talked about The Tree of Woe. There's other artwork. The, the, the comic books itself seem to be more of an influence, obviously, to Oliver Stone, who wrote the original screenplay to Cohen and the Barbarian, which was re- later reworked by John Milius, the director.
2: I think John John Buscema's artwork was probably the primary influence. Okay. Um, I'm a bigger fan of Barry Windsor Smith, who did the first 25 issues of Conan. Um, I I, I think Windsor Smith's art had more of a fantastical quality to it. Um, I I think more Tolkien-ish, sort of. Would you agree with that, more more like a uh, a Tolkien or a Morak? uh, Michael Morak?
1: Morak? Yeah. To a degree.
2: Um, yeah, I, Buscema's good but I, something about um, the Barry Windsor Smith art was just a little more ethereal to me and a little more fantastical but you're absolutely right I think the Conan in the movie and the Conan we know was influenced a lot by John Buscema's later later issues of Conan
1: Well, Windsor Smith had a taller, leaner body mm-hmm. to right. Conan whereas Buscema um, had more like a Wolverine um, Glenn Danzig type of Clint Danzig.
0: this is true yeah i've noticed that did you want to touch on uh barry windsor smith here at all did you want to talk about like his involvement with conan or touch upon a little about your blog about like
2: sure i i was very fortunate um you know he, you don't hear a lot about uh, barry windsor smith anymore but he's no doubt a, a legendary artist who's really put his stamp on Conan in the art of comic books.
0: I didn't find much about him other than really your blog, what you, what the interview you had with him.
2: You know, I I get the impression, not just from the very, very brief questions he graciously answered for the blog. Um, I I get the impression he came into comics at a time where Conan was kind of his trial. It was his opportunity to get on board at Marvel. Um, I get the impression he really was not treated the way he should have been for being the talent that he was. Okay. Um, he was very gracious to answer questions but i think he seemed a little frustrated by that it's like this is his iconic work that everybody recognizes yet even the writer roy thomas said you know hey i'm not going to talk about how much he was paid because it would embarrass the company um i he, he really um made his mark you know on conan and uh i think he came back to do some later issues i know he did a uh, a crossover series conan with a malibu character called rune kind of a gargoyle type character Joe I'm not familiar with Rune I know him to see him but
1: he's more godlike but okay but
2: uh, he did that and I know they're not my interview my little mini interview but in another one they said that uh, Marvel did something with that where they screwed up his artwork where they didn't color it the right way or did digital coloring or something that was a source of frustration so um, he's a legend that I would love to see on Conan again but as he said in the interview no way he's got no interest touching it yeah yeah
0: that's really unfortunate.
2: It is. It is. Are
0: you guys familiar at all with the camp? The guy who put out, I think, the Lancer books? Who sort mm-hmm. of built the mythos of who Robert E. Howard was? Yes. Are you familiar with how he sort of, some would say, tarnished the legacy of Robert E. Howard by making up stories about of uh, his uh, inabilities to write? Or his... Forced abilities to write by having a supposed Conan character behind him with threatening him with an axe, which is quoted by John Melius in the uh, the making of Conan the Barbarian. Mm-hmm. What do you think about DeCamp and how he sort of, I guess, and some would say, ruined Conan for a little bit?
1: Well, some men have trouble living in the shadows of greater men,
0: and you think DeCamp is one of those? Yes. Okay. Fair enough.
1: I,
2: you know, I, I read one of his books, and I could still remember the cover, but I don't remember. It was Conan the Adventurer. They, they all had Conan the something. Um, I, I didn't have an issue with it, but then again, I'm not a Howard purist. Um, I know there are a lot of people who could run circles around me talking about his legacy and his writing. Um, I, to me, when you have somebody like Robert E. Howard, who's truly a one-of-a-kind it's going to be tough for anybody to fill those shoes, whether it's DeCamp or, or I think Robert Jordan's written some some more recent books and some other authors. Uh, those are just tough shoes to fill. I mean, there's so right. much about Conan we don't know because of Robert E. Howard's untimely death, and I I, I don't know. I, I don't. My, my thought is I enjoy it, but I can see where a purist might have an issue. Okay. Okay. I just, if people want to check out the countdown to Conan, I'd like to do a plug for paint links library. If, if you don't mind, no, oh, go ahead. Yeah, absolutely. Sure. Um, uh, you can check out the countdown to Conan. Uh, we, as I said, there were 75 issues. I think we looked at a few mini series and several issues of Savage Sword. Um uh, I wish we I could tell you to go to paintmonk.com, but believe it or not, that's already taken. Wow. But if you go to Google and you look for Paint Monk's library, we are the first thing that comes up in a search. So you can get the blog spot address there.
0: That is actually how I how I discovered um, your blog. Well, I, well, Joe told me about it, and then I Googled it, and that's how I found
2: it, was by Googling it.
0: Um, I want to briefly touch back upon the, talking about the films here. Um, you say that the Conan and the Destroyer
2: Oh, that was terrible. <laughs> it, it was
0: terrible. Um, oh, that was so bad. But some comic book fans actually think that Conan the Destroyer is more true to the comic books than actually Conan the Barbarian is. With characters like Zula. Zula was a male character um, written by, uh, I forget who the author was, but created by the author. Was it Roy Thomas? Did he do yeah, that, that Roy as well? Thomas' script. And yeah. he wrote the script for the screenplay for Conan the Destroyer, if I'm not mm-hmm. mistaken. Isn't that true as well? Mm-hmm. Um but you think it's a lesser.
2: I, I do. Um, I, at the time, I, I think if they had CGI and the capabilities they have today, right? I think it would have turned out to be a much better film. Um, they did draw on a lot of the, the Conan history. I mean, they had, had Thak the Ape, who was a big Conan character, both in the books and in the comics. Okay. Um, they had, uh, what, was it Thulsa Doom or Thos Thothamon, wasn't it, in The Destroyer?
0: Yeah, Thothamon's in Destroyer. of Doom is uh, a call
2: character. Right. Yeah. Uh, but they, they pulled so much out of the comics for Destroyer. I mean, Dagon didn't work. Um, the acting, I mean, I it's to me, it was, just, it, it was really campy compared to the first one. Okay. And I think what worked in comic book form at that point with motion pictures didn't work. It's like comic book uh, superhero movies. 20 years ago, they didn't work. You didn't see a comic book movie that worked. And now, you know, look at the tremendous success that both DC and Marvel are having, thanks to CGI and and everything else. I think Conan the Destroyer was a victim of its time.
1: I I personally remember liking it when I was watching it, but I don't remember much of it now. Um, I
0: forget what year that came out.
1: (laughs) I I do know that I I thought the ending, the last quarter, kind of fell apart for me but I really don't remember much of it now, but I do remember the original Conan movie.
0: Now, are you guys familiar with Red Sonja at all? Like how that's actually supposed to be Conan, but they, for whatever reason they couldn't, there was a legal reason why they couldn't actually name him Conan in the movie, but it's supposed to be Conan.
2: I think that was a licensing deal. Um, I, I know that Red Sonia has always kind of been licensed differently than, than Conan. Um, it, it could have been just different studios owning the rights to different more, characters. More than likely, yeah.
0: Now, have you seen the uh, redo, re, relaunch of with the uh, was it Malma? What's his name? Oh, no, Jason Momoa. Momoa, yeah. Oh. Is that bad? I've never actually seen it. I just can't.
2: I, you know, I, I couldn't get past Conan running through the hills with an egg in his mouth. You know, being expected for the egg not to break by the time he got back to the village. I, I yeah. That's I, in the movie. Oh yeah, yeah. That, oh wow. Ron Perlman is Conan's father. And I just, no, I, 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 it it was, it was almost like, did you see it? No, I did not. Uh, The way they did the movie, there were, there was a narrator and you would have little segments of story and then they would break. There'd be a segue with a narrator and then there'd be another segment of story. So the special effects were great. The plot was lacking and the way it was filmed to me. Just, it was a bust. I think not a fan.
0: Would you ever want to see another well, I would love to see King Conan uh, with Arnold Schwarzenegger. Like how? Sure. Yeah. Would you guys be interested in seeing
2: that? Yeah. yeah very much. Very much. There was a um, on YouTube, and I, I wish I could remember the article because it would be really relevant here. I, I think Conan fans would love to see it. Uh, there was a movie in between the original Conan and now that a company thought they had the license to go ahead and film. Well, they started filming it, and it was great. I mean, Conan was the Barbarian. Supposedly, it's one of the truer to the books scripts of Conan that was made. On YouTube, if you Google failed Conan movie or something like that, there are seven or eight minute snippets of this independent film that was made. And they're not perfect. They're a little grainy. But you see a Conan and you say, wow, that's Conan like the book. And it would be great to see that released one day. But they've said it will never see the light of day. But on YouTube, if you Google failed Conan movie, you you should get the cool
0: I'll have to check that out. It
1: should be mentioned that in France they're releasing a Conan comic as well.
0: What is that one called? What is that about? Do you have an idea?
1: I know it's going to be in the traditional album release that French have with their comic book industry and they're retelling the novels.
2: I believe so. and retakes on some of them too.
1: With a um, no. very different artistic take.
2: Like the original Howard novels. Yeah, is that, that's, mm-hmm.
1: that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. So what
0: are some of your favorite Coney and the Barbarian comic book issues?
2: Oh my goodness, there are a bunch. Um, <clears throat> as Joseph had mentioned, the issues 14 and 15 with yeah. uh, Michael Moorcock's character Elric uh, was were very good. I like the premiere issue, number one. I thought that had a good storyline. It was a, a, a Thomas story you know, that he didn't really adapt. He created it himself. Um, issue 104 was an adaptation of uh, one of the few Howard stories I've read, Veil vale of Lost Women, was a very, very good story. And then issue 100, Where Bellet Dies, was also very well done and probably one of the go-to issues for the whole 200-issue series.
0: How many of these uh, Conan and Barbarian issues do you own?
2: I own the entire series. Are you serious? I do. Wow. I did. In fact, I just got a copy of uh, Conan number no. 1 that uh, I bought in a lot on Facebook Marketplace. Yeah, oh. That just came back from being graded, so it'll be hanging on the really the wall in my room shortly. Yes. Oh my
0: gosh! I don't even want to know what you paid for
2: that. I, you know, I, I it was funny. It was one of those things where you see a deal, and the gentleman yeah. wanted forty dollars for issues one through eight. of course, it's not mint what? condition or anything, yeah? but um, it came in at a, a four point five. On the grading scale. So for $40, the first That's, eight issues of a 30-year-old, 40-year-old comic, I'll take it.
0: It's pretty much what the value would be, wouldn't it? it be about that much right? About. for 40 just
1: for number one?
2: Yes.
0: I know Joseph's got to have...
1: I, I don't have that many. You don't conans. have that many? Um, huh. I do have the Essentials <clears throat> for the Savage Sword. Not all of them, but I'm building. And I do have um, number two, um, as of today.
0: As of today? Yeah. Oh, are, you, are you guys in the works of... Uh...
2: That was Joseph's uh, uh, Christmas present for helping with the Paint Monks Library blog this year.
0: Oh. So, so. Well, there you go. That's pretty cool. Um,
1: now, the, the interesting thing about Conan the Barbarian comic book series was the adaptations that Thomas did. He took um, poems that Howard did. He took stories that didn't have Conan in it and made Conan the character for those stories. Um, and he took other people's work like Gardner Fox's um, stories and made Conan that character and just adapted a wide variety of material to become part of the Conan um, comic book series.
0: So what was the last issue? Was it
1: 275? Uh, 275. 275. Was the okay. final issue.
0: I didn't want yeah. to say and be wrong. Some mm-hmm. of you guys are the experts here. Oh. Um, why do you think Conan eventually failed or went out of business or got canceled?
2: You know, I... The, the 90s were an interesting time for comic books. Um, art was changing, styles were changing. Uh, Conan had been with Marvel since the 70s. And you're looking at a, a long time. Um, creative teams were changing. Um, even, even Roy Thomas, who's a legend and a phenomenal writer, I mean, I, I would never, you know, I, I anything I could ever do would pale in comparison to his legacy. But um, even his work was getting a little tired. And I don't know whether Marvel lost the license or whether it was negotiated to be picked up by a different company called Dark Horse, Okay. but uh, the series ended kind of with a whimper. In fact, the gentleman that was going to review issue 275 to finish our countdown yeah. on the blog, um, he sent an email to everybody that's you know part of the blog and said, we're not doing this to close it out. This issue was terrible. They said it was a garbage issue. Finish it with 100, the death of Bellet, because after 200, it gets a little rough in spots so we didn't even look at the last hundred and fifty issues of the series just because you could tell
1: that fatigue was setting in a little bit Okay. a lot of Marvel licenses were ending around the same time You at the Micronauts and ROM G.I. Joe and a wide variety of others um, so it may have been licensing as well G.I.
0: Joe I love G.I. Joe
1: and Star Wars
0: well, yeah, I remember Star... I had I had subscription to Star Wars, too, and I remember that was... It only went about 110 issues, mm-hmm. if I'm, I'm not mistaken, 107, maybe, or... Around there. Somewhere. I remember getting the last issue, and it said, like, this is the last issue, and it came in the brown little paper bag, and that was it, and I was, like, very disappointed.
1: I I can't even imagine how much these licenses were.
0: I'm more. sure it was a lot of money for Star Wars. As long. with well, Conan, too, I hear that it's a pretty expensive... Endeavor to get uh, Conan itself. Even from the beginning, it was it was quite an expensive.
2: That that's an interesting. That I am surprised we, did, that we didn't talk about that. But um, Roy Thomas was actually not looking at Conan first when they were looking to bring like a fantasy character to Marvel. They wanted to license a character called Thongor, who okay. was written by Lynn Carter, and uh, they said we're going to go get that. Well, Lynn Carter wanted too much money, so they said okay. Well, let's try Conan. So, I believe they said it was what $250 or something. I don't know if that was monthly, annually, or whatever. But I know that they had to reduce the artist's salary to make up 25 or 50 bucks of that to get the Conan license. So, um, they did get Conan for what we would consider a song and dance today. But uh, what was it, a year or two later, Lynn Carter came back and they started doing Thongor anyway, but it was in the pages of Creatures on the Loose.
1: I think one of the magazines. But one of the anthology
2: <laughs> books. Right.
0: That's fantastic. Mm-hmm. What do you guys want to end with? Is there anything else you want to talk about that we haven't talked about?
1: Um, can you think of anything, Joseph? Well, the, the Michael Marcock issues um, is unique because Michael Marcock actually collaborated with um, Thomas to write those. So it's part of the Marcockian, um universe and what
0: about what issues are those exactly
2: you 14 and 15
0: 14 and 15
2: yeah and
1: um I, I
2: would encourage you to read uh i think i reviewed issue 14 and then joseph reviewed 15 yes and we kind of had different thoughts about it. he enjoyed it a little more than i did but uh he had some really interesting thoughts where if you look at some of the characters that were involved the implications for the marvel universe and for the world of michael morcock's elric Uh, The implications are huge, all the way up to the deities in each of the um, um, mythos. So if you get a chance to read, uh, you can go to the Paint Monk's library and you just type in Conan number 15 and you can check out Joseph's thoughts on that, which were uh, really interesting.
0: Now, is Conan separate from the regular Marvel Universe as far as like, does he exist within, say, Thor? Like, is there some, I know it's the Hyborian age, so it's BC, I'm assuming,
2: who knows what Marvel's going to do now when they get it back in January. We know there are going to be crossovers with the Avengers and other teams. Um, in the 70s, they did have a separate universe for Conan. And in fact, they, when they published the Handbook of the Marvel Universe in, uh, that had all the right. superhero yeah, characters, yeah. they actually published a separate one. They called it the Official Handbook of the Conan Universe. So they were oh, two wow. separate.
0: Yeah. I love the Marvel. I remember reading those Marvel universes. Yep. Those were quite the things. What other comic books are you into? Or were you ever into?
2: Um, I, I, I make the joke that, uh, you know, I, I'm stuck in the days before the 90s, and I don't want to buy anything after 1991, so. Okay. I I, I hate to say it, but I think I'm one of those grumpy older collectors that looks at the quote-unquote newfangled stuff and says, ah, I don't
1: want to read that.
0: I'm well, okay with on. that. I'm stuck, I'm stuck in the old <laughs> world, too. I haven't I haven't gone past probably 93, so that's well, probably when I stopped collecting.
1: It's interesting because he's also in a Kayser.
2: Yes, Kazar is probably my favorite character. Really? Um, yes, yes. Kazar all the way from uh, um, Uncanny X-Men number 10 when he made his first Silver Age appearance. And uh, I actually, awesome. uh, with some help from Joseph, one of the other things, uh, I took over from somebody else the uh, uh, unofficial Kazar fan page oh, really? on, uh, on Facebook. And uh, we've got... For a little little character, we're, what, 345 members strong, I think?
1: Right, with and some professionals in there.
2: We do, we do. We've got, uh, you know, we're really, really blessed. We've got Brent Anderson, who comes on periodically to share thoughts about the 1980 series that, that he illustrated. Oh, wow. Um, we've got uh, Jim Krieger, I believe, yes. mm-hmm. who comes in, who's currently writing for Marvel or has written for Marvel and DC. Um, and then we've got a lot of other... People who participate, some of the bloggers from Paint Monk's Library are there with an active presence. So That's amazing. Yeah, little sight, but we have a lot of fun.
1: Wally is is building his um, slabbed and graded collection. He has key um, comics that he wants that would be up on the wall, such as these posters.
2: Yes, yes, that's true. I, I've, I've, I've got the Conan number one finally slabbed, that's so that's amazing. kind of my grail. Um, I have a really nice copy, of Kazar number one from nineteen eighty uh, with uh, Brandy Anderson's signature. That was graded. Um, I'm a big Moon Knight fan too. I've Ooh, got Moon Knight number wow, one that was cool. signed by uh, Doug Mensch. And uh, I don't uh, hear
0: that too often. Moon Knight, no.
2: Yeah. And then Warlord too. Um, okay. Marvel's Warlord. I've got an issue that was signed by him. That's so the CGC collection is slowly building, but it'll take some time. That's cool.
1: Now, I, I have a massive comic book collection. You've always had a massive comic book yes. collection. So my, my interests are incredibly varied, and um, it would be far too long to go into um, on the podcast.
2: I, I have to chuckle about that because the few times I've spoken to Joseph in the last, last year, yeah. you know, we'll talk about key comics and things that are coming out, and I'll say oh, yeah, did you see this comic? You know, it's super rare. And they're like, oh, well, I think I have that. <laughs> and at some point, he'll pull it out of his collection and say, oh, not, I do have it. Here it is. Yeah, I mean, so, even as a goodness.
0: child when I was growing up and, like, I started getting into comics and then he was like, oh, I've got comic books. And he already had, you know, the big, long, the big, long, uh, what do you call those big, long boxes? Yep, long boxes. You probably had 20 of those already. Yeah. And this was, like, 1983,
1: I yeah, want to say. Well, I, I, I have converted to trade paperbacks. I am a trade um, person. I wait for the trade, um, but I, I do have a lot of long boxes still.
0: Oh yeah, so I want to get some random questions here about uh, Conan the Barbarian. If you can, if you can remember back to that movie at all from 1982, a question I have is: Did Conan father offspring? Because there's a scene where they bring women to his cage and he like sleeps with them. I'm mm-hmm. assuming.
1: He does what they,
0: men do. They don't show that, but it's, it's it's insinuated that he does. And these women appear to be well off. They're not like peasants or anything. the mm-hmm. the one The one woman appears to be um, well to do. Do you think this was as, as a form of breeding? Do you think that they actually saw Hakonan as a great warrior and like they wanted to like actually breed him? Do you think this was something that maybe, if the Oliver Stone. Screenplays would have uh, turned into a franchise. Turned into a franchise, like he had intended to. He he saw it as a twelve-picture series, like a James Bond, as he says. Do you think maybe we would have seen eventually, like maybe a story where Conan like fought his his children or something like that? Like, I don't know. That's that's something that's always been, like piqued my curiosity about Conan the Barbarian
2: i I know Conan is one of those movies that I can quote, and I try not to because it really irritates people you know you 're watching it i'm sitting there feel free, playing. but um, you're absolutely right. He does say when uh, when they show conan they 're going through him in that yeah. you know, little cage, it says where he was bred to define a stock, so I would imagine you're absolutely right that you know people if they wanted a healthy child or a child that would be a general and lead an army or something. That would seem like something they would have done, you know, in ten million BC or whatever the Hyborian age was.
0: But this, but that sort of uh, evolution of Conan greatly differs from that of the comic book, wouldn't you say?
2: Oh, very much. And even
0: the novelizations, I would think that Conan's not really used this. Like, that's not how he's sort of gets to where he is in the books or the comic books. No, it's it's starkly different. Mm-hmm.
2: So, I think the wheel of what was it the, the wheel of pain they called it. Yeah, the wheel of pain. Yeah, I I think I think that was, and and I could be wrong, but I think that was the thing that I had read on some of the forums that people took issue with. You know, the the wheel of pain was not a thing. You know, he went off as a young mercenary and, you know, developed his reputation that way. The the wheel of pain was something that they came up with for the movie. Again, if I if I if I'm wrong, I apologize. But I see. No, I think
0: you're absolutely right. That that was designed by Ron Cobb, who was the. the effects manager who designed most of the swords in Coney of the barbarian, including the Atlantean sword, which is a, a real sought after relic. If uh, yeah. do you own one, no, I, wish. Oh, they're, they're I, great. I want to own one of those too. They actually have a, a website you can go to. I forget which, I don't know if it's the United States or not, but they actually make like replica Coney and swords among other swords. Wow. And they're quite expensive mm-hmm. and they're, I think they're real actually. So that's pretty cool. Um, yeah, what are your favorite uh, favorite scenes from the Conan the Barbarian film? You probably don't like the Wheel of Pain scene. <laughs> I,
1: I actually do.
0: I, I actually enjoy it, too. I think my... Uh, I'll probably play snippets of my father's conversation that I have with Conan throughout this uh, this podcast, and one of the things that he absolutely loved was seeing the Wheel of Pain and watching Conan sort of grow and he said when conan finally like looks up towards the camera he said like that was conan like i knew at that moment that that was that mm-hmm. was conan and that he read the novels he was not he never read the comic books so he read all the the, the pressman books i believe they were and said that was conan mm-hmm. so
2: i i i think one of my favorite scenes well there were two because they were kind of a paradox if you will you know the beginning where uh You know, Conan standing with his mother, and Thulsa Doom gives her that that hypnotic look. Oh, yeah. You know, winds up beheading her. You see the sword drop. Again, spoiler alert here, everybody, if you haven't seen it. Um, But uh, towards the end, you know, you see Conan coming up through the shadows, and Thulsa Doom turns around, and all his followers, and he tries giving that same look to Conan. And you think for about a second, he said, Oh, is Conan going to fall for this too? And then it's the uh uh, wrong. (laughs) And the next thing you know, the movie's over. But I thought that was kind of neat, the way they did that.
0: So what about the different versions? There's different versions of Conan the Barbarian. There's obviously the international cut, which is also known as our director's cut, and the original theatrical version. Mm-hmm. Some of the differences are the princess appears more throughout the end of the film, um, namely when Conan is leaving Thulsidum's, uh headquarters. He mm-hmm. um, brings her with her, and you actually see her going up the steps with him when he confronts Doom this is not in the original theatrical version okay um he actually leaves with her it shows him leaving with her that's not in the original theatrical version so there's a lot of differences in the theatrical versus the the director's international cut I should say um does stuff like that bother
2: you I'd like to see the original you know I, it um, always irritates me because i I think whenever you see a film they're they're leaving great pieces of that film on the cutting room floor right and i if I had my choice I'd always rather see a director's cut than the edited version that you see for the first year after a movie is released.
0: Well, on the blu-ray itself, the only choice you have is watching the international version. Now they don't even have the American original oh. theatrical cut on okay. there. So you have to actually go out and buy the DVD. Did you also know that Conan the barbarian was the last film to be released in mono?
1: No, really it was. No yeah.
0: The uh, studio refused to pay the 30 or $40,000 to, uh, have the phone, fo- the film, uh, recorded in stereo. No kidding. So it was the last film to be... Unless there's been films that are like out of, you know, nostalgia's sake or something that were released in mono because they thought it was cool, but yeah, this was the last one.
2: That's neat. I, didn't, I never knew that. And
0: you guys absolutely love the John Milius score? Or, yes. Or not John Milius score, Basil Poldores, I'm sorry.
2: Absolutely. That's, I I, I I had friends back in the day who were involved in LARPing and things like that, and... The Con- the Conan soundtrack was was a was a go to. You
0: said I mean, LARPing?
2: Yeah, live action role playing, oh, Renaissance fairs, things like that. You'd hear the Conan soundtrack everywhere. That <laughs> is really
0: it. cool. <laughs> Unfortunately, he is no longer with us. Is there anything else you guys want to share with
2: us today? I got nothing. You
0: got nothing. All right, got I nothing. guess we can wrap this up here. I want to thank everyone for being here. you Want to get last plugs in?
2: Go go to Google. <laughs> Google Paint Monks Library. We're talking about comics from the gold, silver, bronze age. You can read uh, things by Joseph or myself and uh, four other talented bloggers talking <laughs> about classic comic books and Conan, too. I
1: got nothing.
0: You got nothing. All right, well, check out weirdedwonder.com, and you can check out like where this podcast is originating from and all our other podcasts. So I want to thank Joseph. I want to thank Wally for being here today. Thank you. And we'll see you next time.